get ready to strap on your boots. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. This podcast is supported by one of the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange platforms, Bybit.com. Sign up today and get up to $1,000 in bonuses and coupons. You can also join a $400,000 trading competition along with other contests where you can win Bitcoin prizes and so much more. Just go to bybit.jasonsherman.org to sign up. That's bybit.jasonsherman.org. In today's episode, I have Deidre Shen of the Growth Boss Academy with me today. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jason. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you because I noticed you're a cat lady. Number, I'm, I'm a dog guy, right? But I saw I said you're a cat lady, so I want to hear how many cats you have before we start. I actually only have the one, and you know, I'm gonna. That's kind of like my my dirty secret. But I'm actually secretly a dog person. Um, <laughs> why did they? Why did they say you're a cat lady? Oh, because I have a cat. Because I can't. I don't know. I'm a little bit OCD, I think, and I don't know if I can quite handle a dog yet. So I'm working my way to there. I thought a cat is a good in between. So yeah, dogs are super amount of work. It's like having a child, you know. And yes. cats are so independent, you know. Yeah. So I understand. I get it. <laughs> now before uh, before we get into the Growth Boss Academy, I, I want to learn more about what you do, of course. But I want to know about mini Deidre, the young Deidre, before she got into this whole thing, when was the moment when you realized that you had some form of entrepreneurship built into your DNA? What was that, what was that moment like? There's this moment actually um, that I remember when I was actually in senior high school and I was talking to a friend who we were on this balcony just outside the library and we, it was kind of around the time when we had to put in our, our college, our university preferences um, and we in in Australia, I don't know if they do that here. It's not only what university you want to go to, but also what particular course you want to study. And all throughout it was always my, you know, everyone would be like, Oh, so what are you gonna do, DJ? What are you gonna do? And I was like, Oh, well, I'm I'm planning to study medicine. Like that was, you know, because I was on that right. path. Um, and then I just remember having this um this chat to a friend and he was like, um, and then he was like, Oh, why? And I was like, Oh, you know, I'll start thinking about it. I was like, Hmm, I don't really know. And then we started talking about like the prerequisites to get into medicine and it was chemistry was one. And I and biology science. Yeah. I hate science. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, and he's like, Oh, okay. Like, this is interesting. You know, that you really don't enjoy science and yet you want to do medicine. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. And then, he, and then we started, and then I remember saying this thing, which is like, which was like, you know, I think, I feel like at some point I'm going to take over the world. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, this was me at you know 16 17 whatever um years old you know and big dreams and I was like yeah you know I think I just have this feel like I just I don't know what I'm gonna do I I but I'm gonna I'm gonna take up the world <laughs> so, so really so really the college was your, your catalyst because it sounds like you know and the same thing happened to me so not many people know this about me but I was a pre-med student as well Right. Okay. So when I when I went to college, my my freshman year, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I went into biology and chemistry, and I didn't know I didn't like it. Yeah. So I, I quickly my freshman year, I quickly sh shifted over to computers, computer science, oh. and the internet was just coming out. It was the '90s. It just was invented. So I feel like I got in at the right time, and and that kind of put me in, onto the path of technology. So it yeah. sounds like college did the same thing for you too. But, you, did, but yeah. you didn't know what you wanted to do exactly. You just knew that you wanted to yeah. do something more than just like a one-lane career, which is yes. kind of, so I guess not everybody can say that, you know, sometimes it just falls in their lap, but it sounds like it kind of happened to you. So the, the first, so I, I know that you got it from college, but what was the first moment that you realized now, okay, 
I'm an entrepreneur. I want to go down this new path. I don't want to be a doctor. And now you stumbled upon some sort of business opportunity or some sort of way to monetize your, your, your skills. What was that like? What, what was the transition between entrepreneur to entrepreneur? Yeah. Um, so at the time I had gone into corporate, so I was working in an investment bank. Um, and you were an investment I, banker? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I went into banking, so talk it wasn't about, um, about I a doctor. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't say, it's funny, I didn't study medicine, but I was like, I negotiated with my dad and I was like, okay, I, this is really something I really don't want to do. So the, the, um, the default was, okay, I'm going to study law. So I actually studied law, but then I went into banking. Um, and, um, very quickly, even, <laughs> um, even at that point, I, um, I realized that, um, again, cause I was like, you know, being in corporate, I think I knew that I wanted to be in business in some way. I didn't know whether it was going to be my own business or, or whether it would just be, you know, climbing the corporate ladder and, and doing all that. Um, but I very quickly realized getting into corporate that that was also not for me. Um, and I, at the time, uh, so, you know, really quickly, I was kind of, I was fortunate because I was this junior burger and I was put on this really high profile project um, and it got me access to, you know, all these senior inspects all the way up to the CEO. And, but what that, um, I got exposed to almost like, you know, they talk about the politics and, and, and the back channeling and, and I could see like that was actually playing out right in front of my eyes. And I got firsthand insight into that. And I was like, oh, I don't think this is for me. I just don't, I can't see myself becoming this person to, you know, get to where I would need to, to, to have a successful career or what, you know, right. in, in quotes. It sounds like you were kind of bouncing around trying to find your path, right? Yeah. So for, then, year, for years. Yeah, exactly. Because I had no idea. I, again, I wasn't fortunate enough to be the, you know, that person is like, I know exactly what I want to do. I just, I wasn't that, that person. Um, at the same time, my um, then boyfriend, now husband, um, he was actually studying medicine, um, funnily enough, and he oh was God. also miserable. Like, <laughs> so, so this is, you know, if you're about to, if you're about to study medicine, don't. <laughs> Talk about a full circle. Yeah. Um, and at the time we had just moved out actually. And um, he, you know, we had to adult. It was the first time we had to do things for ourselves. And one of those things was cooking. Um, and which I thought that I would enjoy, but again, I just, I'm not that kind of person. Um, but my husband, it sounds like that, the reality checks you were getting. Slapped. I know, like massive, like, this is my life, right? I'm like, oh, in my head, this sounds like a good idea. And then it was really not. Not. <laughs> oh my God. Talk about um, real life. And then, um, so, but anyway, so he, but he really enjoyed it. Ash really enjoyed it. And, and, um, and in particular, uh, we used to go to this one place, this Italian restaurant where I would, I would just love, I loved going there just for this molten chocolate lava cake dessert. And so he would be making me hungry. (laughs) He would be trying to perfect this dessert, like bake this dessert. And, um, it was kind of, that was the genesis, I think, where we were both kind of miserable or didn't really know what our paths were. Um, he had found a passion, like he was getting so much enjoyment with experimenting and tinkering and stuff with, you know, desserts and baking. I loved being the taste tester. Um, and I think- Who wouldn't be, right? Exactly. Um, and ultimately, I think, you know, in a way we, so that was our first business. Our first business was called The Chocolate. It was a dessert bar in Sydney. Um, it's still operating actually. This was over nice. eight years ago. And, um, and really it was kind of like, I was the business and almost the, um, because I, we kind of always built it for other people like me, um, you know, younger, um, predominantly females, um, who would want to go there with either a group of friends or with their boyfriends, um, for a date night. So that was kind of what we created. 
Um, so, was, so hold yeah. on a second. So it sounds like this was like your aha moment when you had some sort of product or it sounds like the, the desserts that were really popular. But how did you know that it was something special that people would want to buy and that you could turn it into a business? Because this is the part of my, of my podcast where a lot of entrepreneurs don't know mm. that they have something special and they have that aha moment. They think they do, but they're not sure. How did you know? Oh gosh, I don't think I did. I think, you know, I was, we were young and I think we, would I have done it all differently again? I can tell you, and I'm sure that we'll get to it, um, to another part of my journey where I did it differently. Um, because we were young, we were naive. We were like, you know, obviously we thought that we had the best thing since sliced bread. Um, and well, you kind of did a sliced cake. <laughs> Um, and we made a lot of mistakes. Like I, like we spent months in the red, like, and I don't even know if months, like probably years. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm well, that's, well, that's one of my questions is if I, if you had a time machine, right. And you were yeah. in, and I told you, Hey Deidre, you can go back in time and fix one of these big, big mistakes you made. What would that one be? And how would you have avoided it? Cause that's the real question is how would you have avoided the yeah. mistake you made? I think it's really funny. I pause on this question just because it's like, would I have gone back and not started business? I don't think, I couldn't say that I wouldn't. Um, we went through a lot of stress, frustration, headache, like trying to grow the thing. Um, and I think it's because we probably didn't do it the, the right way the first time. But would I have done it again? Um, probably not. Like, probably, like I probably would have still done it that same way because we learned so much from it. So if, if that question, like what would I have done? What I probably would have done was, when we went to the, when we got into this growth stage, the scale stage, because um, it was probably, it took us probably a couple of years to really prove it out. And it became, it kind of blew up relatively quickly. Um, and then I think because of that, we started getting, well, I know when I reflect on it, I was like, I think I let my ego get the better of me because um, we were getting, we were getting landlords knocking out our doors. They were like, you are onto the next thing. This is amazing. I have this like, and you know, again, we're young, we were naive. I was like flattered by all of this attention that we were getting and all of these accolades. And we went into some really not great deals, like some really bad ones. Um, and I oh. think that if I was asked, would that would probably be what I would have gone back and changed is like not to let um, my ego make those decisions. Um, okay, so for people that. listening, that's that's something they should pay attention to is, Great things might come to you, right? And things might start to work out in your favor and your business might start scaling. Stay humble. Keep your head down. Don't let all the flashiness and the, you know, the glamour of being an entrepreneur and making money kind of get, get the best of you. And still look at all the fine prints and make sure you're getting the best deals. Don't get to take advantage of. Talk to people like Deidre and I to get advice and feedback so you know you're making the right decision. And... Um, so, Dory, first of all, the fact that you said it took you a couple of years to get this going, there must have been some challenges along the way. And there's a lot of people out there who are trying to start a brick and mortar business, whether it's a bakery. I know people started bakeries, um, restaurants, and the pandemic has affected that a lot. But let's say back then or even now, what, what was the biggest challenge that you faced when you realized, oh, this is working, but there's these challenges that are in the way that made it difficult. And how did you overcome them? 
Um, so the biggest challenge, and I think this is going to be for everyone, was actually like, how do you get the word out there, right? How do you get sales? How do you get traffic in the door? Um, and I struggled with that because I had no idea. Like I was meant to be the business side of the business. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like I felt like a total fraud. Um, and so I had to figure it out. Um, and I think one of the things I did was I, it was, you know, again, fortunate timing is, is everything I think with a lot of these things, but at the time it was also, um, when Instagram was kind of taking off as well. So we were fortunate enough to ride the Instagram wave and how we did that was, um, in today's language, you know, leveraging influencer marketing, you know, that wasn't really a thing back then. Um, back then it was, it's really funny, actually, we, we were reaching out to bloggers more so like bloggers was the thing, right? Like that back then, at that time. Um, writing, and, writing reviews of the food and, and things exactly, like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think it was because they were also transitioning onto Instagram. So then we kind of discovered this platform. Um, one of actually one of my casual um, staff who was still in high school at the time was like, Oh yeah. Have you heard of this thing called Instagram? Like you have to be on it. And I was like, Oh, like, you don't, you don't, I was in my like early twenties and I was like, I felt like such an old person because I was like, what is this thing called Instagram? <laughs> that always happens. No matter how old you get, you're always too old. <laughs> exactly. Right. But anyway, so we got on and, um, and I do have to credit Instagram for, you know, cause we really wrote that wave of, um, leveraging influencers who wasn't really a thing at that time, but that's what it became. Um, and because we had such visual um, product, we were really, we almost um, started that whole drool worthy, you know, camera eats first type, right. you know, um, we really wrote that, that, that um, craze. So I think, I think that was, that was one of the biggest challenges always going to be sales. And I think that we just need to be adaptable enough to know, a, what's going on, but B, is it going to be the right fit? Um, because we were, again, we were fortunate because it was our ideal customers were actually on these platforms. And that's, right. so that's not to say, I don't talk about this to say, yeah, everyone should like get on TikTok or should get on Clubhouse because unless your audience is on there, then don't bother. Um, and, and that's the misconception. I think that a lot of people don't realize when it comes to anything you're doing, whether it's, you know, a, a B2B or a business like a brick and mortar company or an e-commerce company or anything at all. You need to have a following. Like one of the biggest examples I can tell you right now as of today is these NFTs, right? The non-fungible tokens, the cryptocurrency artwork that's being sold digitally on the mm -hmm. blockchain. And everyone thinks, oh, I can just put up my artwork or my music or my thing on the, as an NFT. You have to pay, you know, 50 to $200 to put it up there. And then they think, oh, now I'll sell it for thousands of dollars. But they're wrong. Because unless you have thousands of followers that are already purchasing your artwork through Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, you're not going to get a sale. Yeah. So I'm sure the challenge for you translated from your dessert company over to your e-commerce company, Growth Boss Academy. I want to I want to hear a little bit more about the challenges you faced when you transitioned. Like, first of all, when you transitioned from the dessert company to the e-commerce company. What was the catalyst for that? Like, what was the moment where you're like, oh, wait a minute, I, I have this other idea that's going to work and I'm going to try it. And how did you kind of shift over? Yeah, so there were a few steps in between, as <laughs> you can probably imagine. Um, so, you know, in the meantime, I'd, we'd also opened um, a couple of burger restaurants. Um, and then I um, met my now co-founder um, and 
we actually were starting on a fashion technology business. So that was actually the original idea. Um, and this was kind of um, just to come full circle on this. Uh, when you asked me about, you know, is there anything that I would have done differently? Um, we actually, all those learnings, we kind of put into this fashion tech business because we knew, and it, it was a little bit different because, well, actually not really, but this, they're the same because both, um, require a lot of in, upfront investment. You know, on one hand, brick and mortar stores are not easy to get, you know, fitted out and rent. It's a lot of money and a lot of work. It is. Um, but then, um, but also in a technology business, you know, dev, you know, getting something developed is also not cheap. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think for us, we were like, okay, older, we're now older and wiser. Um, and we were like, let's really validate this, um, this idea first before we kind of go down the path of, um, of spending any money developing, developing it out. So we actually, we started in Sydney, but that was actually the one of the, the reasons why we moved over to New York. Cause we were like, we knew that eventually, regardless, if we wanted a business to grow, Australia is not really the best market for it. Um, you'd have to either go to Asia or, you know, North America, like, you know, places where there's a lot of, a lot of people. Um, and so uh, a few things happened anyway, we were like, let's, let's just, let's just, pack up our bags. I, you know, have my husband, Kat and my co-founder in tow <laughs> shipped over here to New York city. And then we hit the ground, like just talking, like we were trying to really validate this business idea. Um, we kind of had a, a, an idea of who our target customers were either university college students or like young professionals. Um, and so we went to Columbia, went to NYU campuses, went to Wall Street and we just like randomly spoke to people. And, um, you know, there's a couple of phases. It's kind of, you want to do, um, sort of just almost like getting a general feedback about the, about the problem, um, just seeing if there is a problem there and whether the solution that you have might actually solve for that problem. Um, and then you want to test for whether that solution, there's actually market for it. So we kind of like went through this process and through that realized that, yes, there's a problem, um, but the way that people are solving for it right now, they were pretty happy with or you know they there wasn't anything compelling in what we were doing that would have them change their habits there wasn't um, like a differentiator that was gonna yeah. make it worth people's while to to start exactly. using it. so exactly. you so you found a pain point in the market which was great because 90 percent of entrepreneurs don't do that they just go right ahead and start building a platform start building a service start putting money into something without doing that but you followed the steps properly you went and started talking to people first to validate the concept, to make sure the pain point was there. So what was the struggle to figure out what could be a differentiated product, something that would be worthwhile in the market? Like, how did you figure that out? So, you know, we, uh, you can probably tell that we failed that, that idea. We kind of, we kind of stopped that. But um, at the time we, cause it was meant to be a two-sided um, marketplace. So we were speaking to. And oh, so you actually didn't go forward with that. No, we didn't. Um, oh, hold on a second. Hold on. Hold on. This is a first. I, I need to, I need to, <laughs> I, I need to, I need to say something about this. So you went out and tried to validate a concept. You got feedback from the market. You spoke to people to try to prove your concept and you found out that it was not worth pursuing. Yeah. That's incredible. You actually stopped instead of continuing. Most people would just say, forget it. This is a good idea. I'm still going to do it. That's great. So, so everybody listening should realize if you validate a concept or you try to prove out the concept and you find that it's not worth pursuing, shut it down immediately and then move on to something else. Deidre did it. You should do the same thing. Yeah. Awesome. I'm really proud of you for doing that. 
Yeah, thanks. It was it was a tough decision, but I think it was like having been, and this is the thing I think you know, and this is why I say hopefully I was older and wiser. Um, but having been through years of the struggle um, of trying to grow a business, I was like, I don't want to do that again in that way where I am to your point going to blindly just you know not listen to the data and not you know. Um, and I'm just going to blindly plow ahead because I'm like, I know what that feels like to struggle to try to get this thing off the ground. I was like, I don't want to do that again. Um, but what that meant was we were kind of at least ends, you know, we're in New York city. We didn't really know what, um, uh, what we we're going to do now. And, you know, I feel like there's, you know, there's always a plan. There's always a plan, right? There's always a path and, um, people, and I actually bumped into someone who, um, was an old friend of mine who I didn't even know realized I was living in New York and she had a, um, a chocolate retail business, you know, again, full circle, desserts, chocolate. <laughs> you, knew, you knew a lot about that. So, <laughs> and she, so she had brick and mortar stores, retail stores, um, and she was looking to transition them online, which was great timing, by the way, because um, it was just before COVID hit. Um, and so she was like, look, I know, um, you know, your background, I know what you can do. I know you, you know, brick and mortar, obviously inside out, like, do you want to lead this? And I was like, but I don't know e-commerce. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know that. Um, I'm like, <laughs> total, again, total fraud, total syndrome. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. I was like, but you know what? I'm, I'm willing to learn. And she was like, yeah, it's perfect because I don't want to be like any other e-commerce. Like I, I, I want almost a different perspective because what I want to do is I want to bottle up what we do really well offline like in the store and i want to bring that online and i was like okay i can i think i can do that and um, you did have the blog and the instagram influencers kind of background so you kind of had some ideas how to get the word out through e-commerce in some way yeah exactly exactly um and so and i think it was really key where it was like how do you bring that offline thinking online because the the, the thing with offline is that it's all anchoring human connection um and sometimes i feel like we're getting better with it online but that I feel like so much that is still so missing from online because we immediately think, oh, online, okay, that's it. Like we can hide behind our screens. We can hide yeah, it's behind just, It's just like targeted advertising and like, you know, it's, exactly. it's mindless, but there's got to be like some sort of buyer psychology behind all of it where 100%. you can tap into, you know, the mentality of the customers and, you know, how do they feel when they see your product? You know, what are they thinking about? What are they clicking on? What are they doing online? What, how, so how did you get through that buyer psychology? Yeah. So I, I, you know, being the nerd that I am, did a bunch of research and also because I felt like a total fraud. So I'm like, okay, I better have some good stuff here. <laughs> Otherwise I'm going to get found out. Um, no, but like, so we, we worked with her and we, um, and it's kind of the genesis of what I call the live conversion method. Um, but we created um, her, her tribe on, um, in, she had an Instagram page, but we were like, you know what, I put the, what we want to do, I don't know whether Instagram was the right platform for it so we actually created her um a facebook group um and then we went and she has this hero product it was a hot chocolate making machine um for 129 dollars, which is definitely not something that you need um <laughs> you know and True. so we we're like okay how do we really bring this to life so we knew that it wasn't just about selling a product we had to tap into because people buy emotionally right that's the number one rule like we think that they buy logically because we rationalize our purchases logically. So we were like, so therefore we think that that's how people buy, but they don't, right? Emotion is what drives people to take action and then people back it up with logic. So we're like, based on that, we knew that we had to tap into something more. We actually painted the picture for people. So we put this machine in the context of people's lives. Um, and so what that meant was, for example, um, we had 
someone who was married, um, but you know, he talked the making machine to make ganache that would go on a brownie for his wife. Then we had um, someone who had kids, like a mom with kids. They would use this machine to make fudgesicles um, together. And then we had like, it was a new dad and he was like, you know, me time, he was going to make a spiked hot chocolate with this machine. So we actually worked on what are the different contexts. That people you created have. user stories, which is a very exactly. common, when you build a, a technology platform, one of the things that we do with clients or I do with clients is create user stories. What do these people do when they come to use your service? What are they going to be using your service for? And by creating these user stories or personas, you have a better way to target them in marketing. And it sounds like you were basically doing that. And um, yeah. now while you were learning about the e-commerce world and figuring out how to get her product out there, you must've been also learning other things about e-commerce in general. And if you could give, you know, maybe three rules that you live by to people listening who are trying to start an e-commerce business what would those three rules be and why would you choose those or, you know, what are your, what's your reasoning behind it? Or even your top, just your top rule, yeah. you know? Yeah. No. Okay. All right. So I think the number one thing is <laughs> oh, um, don't waste money on ads first. Like, please do not waste money on ads. Um, I know that you get told by the, all the gurus that you just need to put money at, just have a kind of okay website, slap some money into ads and you'll be a millionaire and you won't, <laughs> you will not. Um, because their ads are complicated. And one of the things that um, you need to have a really good idea of is your audience. So that's the number one thing that you should be focusing on is how do you build your audience or I call it your tribe? How do you build your tribe? Um, so I, I, should I stop there? Cause I feel like that I could go on about that forever. That's totally um, fine. I think that's great. I think um, yeah. that's the, I always say the same thing. Don't get ads instead, focus on content, focus on getting people to, you know, see your brand, get your awareness out there and you could do it all for free. You don't have to pay for that. So let's talk about um, perks and advantages of being a business owner. Cause you, you talked a lot about not wanting to be a doctor, not wanting to be a lawyer. You didn't like being an investment banker. You didn't like the corporate world. And then wh why do you like being an entrepreneur? What are the perks <laughs> and what are the perks and advantages? Like why, why is this better than being an investment banker? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if, um, if there are any perks. <laughs> <laughs> There has to be. You see, well, you, you must be a lot no. happy. You must be a lot happier than working I, at a bank, uh, right? I am a hundred percent. I could not go back. Um, I think it's kind of like once. Uh, anyway, um, I do. I do want to. I, I know I say that facetiously, but I do want to sort of stress that this is also not for everyone. Um, you know, this whole like running a business and like, you know, because I, I was only kind of joking. But some people go into business being like, I want to go into business for because I want more free time, and it's like buddy, that does not happen. You do not get more free time, but it's like, it's literally you're raising another child. Um, or, you know, and if or you get really stressed out about money, business is probably also not for you because there are so many ups and downs and it's, it's like, I don't know. It's just like, it's like, you feel, I sometimes felt like I was being by like, like just stretch like constant, like, you know, um, positives and then negatives. It was crazy. Well, I mean, um, you, you have to fight twice as hard and twice as long to make a paycheck. I mean, you're yeah. not getting, you're not getting, you're not getting a paycheck from a company. You have to earn every single dollar. And if you're not working, you're not earning, you know? So exactly, exactly. I, I totally get that. And you, it sounds like you've had more disadvantages to being an entrepreneur. And it sounds like it's been really kind of like a struggle and very stressful. So in that, in that point, 
did you ever want to give up? Did you ever want to throw in the towel and say, you know what? I, I tried this. It's too difficult. It's too stressful. I'm not making enough money. I don't have enough free time. I just can't do it anymore. Did that ever happen to you? And if, and if it did, how did you get past it? How did you keep going? Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely multiple times. And I, and I know it probably sounds like I, um, there are more dis- like disadvantages. I think it's just because I'm very, <laughs> I like to say I'm very realistic um, because I know like, I just want people to go in with their eyes wide open. Um, I would not give it up for the world. And that's why I say, even with the first business, like, do I regret anything? Not really. Um, even not really in how I started it or anything, because I learned so much from that. And I think, you know, when we talk about the perks, like that is more than anything, the biggest perk is like, yes, it's validation that everything that you put into it, you actually get back, like, you know, twofold, tenfold, whatever that is. Um, but also there is no, if growth is your, which for me it is, if, if that is like one of the things that gets you up that, you know, it lights, lights your fire or like, there is nothing more fulfilling and more and that will develop you personally more than having a business. Um, and so that is probably the biggest thing that I've, that I've um, found. But, and so did I want to give up? Yes, of course. Um, what kept me going? Probably the fact that I am really stubborn, um, but also because, you know, at some point I had I actually had responsibility for people, you know, responsibility for their their lives, their families, um, for them to pay rent. Like, and so I think that you, had to, you had to feed your cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. I mean, your cat's got to eat. Right? <laughs> no, but like, you know, I had a team, I had a team of people who were relying on, on, right. on the business to it's a lot of, it's a lot of responsibility and exactly. a lot of pressure. And it's also kind of like a, you know, a call to action. Like you have to do this in order to make sure that they're also succeeding because if not then they have to go find miserable jobs and they wouldn't be happy right exactly, exactly. but we're going to leave on a positive note we, i want you to, <laughs> I, want, I want you to give uh the entrepreneurs listening some words of wisdom that you learned over the years some words of encouragement and inspiration on what they could do to be successful entrepreneurs whether e-commerce or otherwise yeah um sure <laughs> i just i'm just laughing because like generally i'm really quite upbeat i must be on an off day today um but i do remember okay so you know i say all the things um to be like i i do want you to go in with your eyes wide open about about running business but at the same time i also know that that's not gonna like what does that even mean because until you experience it you don't really know what it means so um i was talking to someone ages ago because i'd never i didn't know if you know even kids were something that i wanted and her, she's a mum, and she was like, and this for some reason has always lasted with me. She said, if there is um, any inkling of doubt either way, um, either for having kids or not having kids, just have them anyway, otherwise you'll regret it. And I feel like the same thing ha- applies for business. If you have any inklings of doubt either way, like whether it's for you or not, like, or you want to try it and, you know, and see, do it um, and try it and because you will regret it if you don't um, and you know definitely put all you can into it you know don't go half you know one foot in one foot out because that's definitely how a business cannot succeed um, but give it a go anyway that's great I love that and it's, it's I, I also give that analogy on the very first page of my book about how running a business or starting a business is like having a child because you have to, you have to feed it, you have to nurture it, you have to take care of it, you have to watch it grow, you know. So it's very similar, and you have to put as much time into it as a child. So that's a, that's a great analogy. So what can uh, you tell us about where people can find you online, or how they can, you know, learn more about what you do at the Growth Boss Academy? Yeah, so um, I do predominantly help e-commerce business owners. So if you are in e-com and you want to find out 
learn how to find your audience and convert them, then I actually hold a free three-day challenge um, where I go through the whole strategy. So you can come and sign up for that. It's at www.thegrowthboss.com slash challenge. Sweet. Everyone get challenged and get out there and do this. <laughs> that <laughs> sounds awesome. Well, Deidre, thank you so much for coming. It was a pleasure to talk to you about this. I loved hearing about the chocolate. I cannot wait to maybe one day try some. Of course. I'm in Philly. You're in New York, you know, <laughs> it's a hop, skip and a jump away. Definitely. Awesome. Well, thanks again. I appreciate it. And we will see everyone in next week's episode. Thanks for listening. If you learned something in today's episode, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. You can learn more about me at jasonsherman.org. Don't forget to pick up a copy of my book, also called Strap on Your Boots on Amazon. And if you want to dive even deeper into the world of entrepreneurship, I suggest you sign up for my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy.com. Also, you can support this podcast by leaving me a positive review and also by visiting patreon.com slash strap on your boots to become a member and get bonus material. See you in next week's episode.